Hello, and welcome to Making Christ Known, a podcast from Adairsville Baptist Church in Adairsville, Georgia. This podcast features Senior Pastor Eric Sorrell and his sermons designed to make Christ known in Adairsville and beyond. For more information about Adairsville Baptist Church, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. In this episode, Adairsville Baptist Church welcomes guest pastor Dr. Ken Ellison. In his sermon, Dr. Ellison preaches from Matthew 14 about one eventful day in Jesus' ministry and its implication for today's Christian. In light of the COVID-19 pandemic, Ellison compares our uncertainties with those of Jesus' disciples as they labored in the raging storm on the seas. In a time of desperation, Jesus came to them. Jesus will come to you in your time of need also, though you must trust him fully. Do you lean on Jesus in desperate times? And now, here's Dr. Ken Ellison. Well, this has been a, a difficult time for us. I sat beside my dear brother here a moment ago, and he told me that his wife had gone home to be with the Lord. And uh, it's been a very difficult time the last few months for so many people. Talk to others who've gone through COVID and its stresses and its difficulties. Our schools have been <clears throat> open and closed and closed and open. Our granddaughter who teaches first grade in Wisconsin <clears throat> has been in and out of school four times this year. And it's been quite stressful for our teachers and most of all for our children. So we need to pray for them, continue to pray for them. We need to pray for some of uh, our elderly folks, which I are one these days. And uh, some have gone through great stress with the COVID and with illness and pain, and we pray for you. God bless you and thank you for coming this morning. I want you to open your Bibles this morning to a wonderful uh, passage in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 14. It was uh, a day when our Lord, too, experienced great difficulty. In fact, this is one of the days uh, in the life of Jesus that is written out rather completely for us. Matthew gives the story of what happened in the morning, what happened at noon, and what happened at night. And in this uh, glorious story from Matthew chapter 14, we see that in the life of Jesus, in the life of our Lord, and in his disciples then, as you, his disciples now, experience both great joy in life and great pain. We have great privilege in life, and there are times when we are just poor, not only physically and financially, but in spirit as well. There are times when it just seems that God is so near and other times we can't see him anywhere. This is the human experience. And Jesus wanted to teach his disciples then and teach you and me this morning that in the midst of the up and downs of life and the in and outs, the happiness and the pain, the privilege and the poverty, the great joy and the depths of sorrow, Jesus is with us. And in this wonderful passage of Scripture this morning, I asked the Lord, what should I say? 
And this is what I think the Lord would have us say to you this morning. In this wonderful story from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, it begins with a very sad note. Jesus, with his disciples, have just gotten word that John the baptizer has been executed. And you know the story. It was a great heartbreak to Jesus because John had been his mentor. He had been the one who had baptized him in the Jordan. He was the one who had pointed out to his disciples, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And John says, now you disciples follow Jesus. And so all of John's disciples began to follow Jesus. Jesus knew the great heart of this man, John the baptizer, and how God had done a wonderful work in his life in using John to prepare for the coming of the Lord, the Son of God, to this earth. And John was faithful in pointing out who Jesus was. And when Jesus got the news that John had been executed by Herod, in his mind he must have thought not many months Hence, that same crowd in Jerusalem is going to cry out, crucify him, crucify him. And so he says to his disciples, they're in a boat, they're over near Capernaum on the east coast of uh, the Sea of Galilee, Gennesareth, same sea, and said to his disciples, let's go to the other side. So they crossed the six miles across the Sea of Galilee to a place that we don't know. It just says it was a desolate place. And when he got there, he wanted to be alone and to pray. And suddenly there was a crowd, and the crowd kept getting bigger and bigger. They knew who he was. In his great heart of compassion, Jesus could not leave them. And so he gathered them together and began to talk with them, talked with them most of the day. And it was supper time. Long way from Mama's house, long way from the grocery store, no drive-ins in those days, no ready market. Jesus said to them, let's give them something to eat. And he fed 5,000 men, plus the women and the children. And it was a glorious, it started out so bad with the news of John, and suddenly here all of these people were wanting to hear the message of Jesus. And they were fed, and they were full. And John, who tells the same story in John's Gospel, chapter 6, says that something began to happen. The people said, wow, <laughs> this is better than all of the stimulus the government could give us. This is the kind of king we need. Let's just Take him and make him our king right now. Let's make him Messiah. And perhaps even some of his disciples said, yeah, 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 that's right. That's right. He, he came to be the Messiah. We know who he is. And uh, look here, he's able to feed 5,000 in a miraculous way with a few loaves and fishes. Let's make him king right now. But look at Matthew's gospel, if you will. And look down where the Bible says, and I'm going to point this out to you right here. Verse 22, chapter 14, 
14, verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go away. The old King James says he compelled his disciples to get in that boat. He said, that's enough, boys. Let's get in the boat and leave right now. You see, the disciples were sometimes part of the problem. They got caught up in what the world was saying and what his, the people were saying, but that's not the plan of God. We have to be careful in our days, our troubled days, that we do not always listen to what others say the church ought to be or what you ought to be. Jesus has a better plan for you. And so Jesus says to them, get in the boat now and leave. Go on, go on, I'll take care of the." And he dismissed the crowd. Only Jesus could settle the waters of the troubled souls of those people. And the disciples got in the little boat going back across the Sea of Galilee, six miles, home to Capernaum. That's where Peter and John and Andrew and most of the disciples lived. Go home, Jesus said. Go home, I'll meet you there. And he goes up into a mountain and prays. He stays on the west side of the lake while he sends the disciples off to the east. Go home, go home. And suddenly on the Sea of Galilee, as often is true, the winds come off the mountains on both sides and stirs up the sea. And we read in verse 22, And immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he set, sent the multitude away. Verse 23, And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up into a mountain to pray by himself. But when the boat was in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for a wind was contrary, they had hit a squall. They didn't have a sail. They were rowing. And the scripture says it was difficult for them. John says the sea was tossing. Mark says it was a violent storm. And so Jesus sends them out and suddenly... You wonder why in the world did Je didn't Jesus know that that storm was coming? Didn't he know those disciples would be in trouble? Didn't he see the difficulty they would have in trying to get across that lake, trying to obey him? You've been seeking to obey the Lord. And you wonder why in the world, God, is all this happening to me, this terrible COVID storm? Why is it that all of this difficulty has happened perhaps in our family? Why is it I've lost so many friends? Why is it that my work has been disturbed? Lord, uh, what's going on here? Where are you? Jesus doesn't seem to be near. In the middle of the storm, he's somewhere else. He's on the mountain. But look at verse 25. But in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came to them walking on the sea. 
the way time was calculated under this system, there were four watches in the night. This is the third one, somewhere between 12 and 3 a.m. And so about 3 a.m. in the middle of the night, in the middle of the storm, where is Jesus? He's late coming. Lord, we, we prayed to you, but you're, you're not here. That's what Mary said and Martha when Lazarus died. Jesus, we sent word to you four days ago and you just, you just late coming. And Jesus says to her softly, I say to you, you will see the glory of God in this. How in the world can we see the glory of God in the death of our beloved? An only son. And here are these two girls, and in that society, women without a man protector, whether it was father or brother or uncle, was very vulnerable. And so the death of this one so meaningful in their life tore them apart. And there are many whose hearts and lives have been torn apart by the pain and the suffering and the difficulty that many of you have been through recently. And you wonder, where is Jesus? I prayed and he hasn't showed up yet. This message perhaps was sparked by a conversation I had with uh, a, a very well-known leader of the Methodist campground in, on Roswell Road in Marietta. He was talking about his church and how reluctant people were to come back and how, in fact, a number of the leaders just simply said, we've gotten out of the habit. We got used to be at home and listening to the great sermons of Dr. Jeremiah and Brother Stanley and so many others. I don't have to get dressed. Don't have to give anything when I go. <laughs> you know, man, this is, this is pretty good. He said, Pastor, is it ever going to be normal again? Is God ever again going to show up in our churches? Well, dear friends, Jesus promised where two or three are gathered together, I'll be there. Jesus is depending on you and me to be faithful to him, even in our difficulties and in our pain. It's easy sometimes to back off. It's easy sometimes just to wait and watch. But Jesus is never late, and he never, never, ever leaves his disciples. And so at three o'clock in the morning, when we least expect him, Jesus comes walking on the water. They are so surprised, look at it. They're so surprised that they cry out with fear. It's a spirit. It's a ghost. 
The clouds are over the sea. The billows are raging. And suddenly there is a form out there coming towards them. You'd be scared too. For many years, my wife and I lived in the Orient. We lived among an animistic people, people whose lives really are controlled by spirits, evil spirits. And I, I thought of it as I, I read this again. Uh, in central Java, where we worked in the villages, people didn't roam around at night because they thought that they were spirits. In fact, in some parts of Asia, if someone comes in the middle of the night that you don't know, they will demand that you stick your finger in the door and they'll take a little knife and cut it or prick it to see if it bleeds. If it bleeds, then they know you're human. If it doesn't, You'll never get in that house. Much of the world is controlled by evil spirits, but I want to tell you, Jesus is the good spirit. I, uh, the King James uses the word ghost, spirit, Holy Spirit, good spirit. Even the word Holy Ghost is, is fine. I was visiting with a lady about six months ago that I had known back in the 60s. She was a member of the Eastside Baptist Church where I was pastor. And she told me a story. She had two little boys, same age as our Brent. And uh, she was, brought Kevin to church that morning trying to uh, get him used to sitting in church and being quiet. And uh, just as the service was over, I had pronounced the benediction in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Uh, people wanted me to read out of the King James Version in those days. And so uh, suddenly Kevin burst into tears. And uh, Virginia said, Kevin, what in the world is the matter with you? She said, Mama, Mama, you said there was no such things as ghosts. Brother Ken said there's a Holy Ghost. Well, uh, there is a Holy Ghost, a good spirit, the true spirit. God is an eternal spirit. And he comes to us by his Holy Spirit, the good spirit. And God makes you know whether this is a good spirit or an evil spirit. They thought it was a ghost and were afraid. But listen to what Jesus says to them into the middle of the storm. Jesus spoke to them immediately. He didn't wait. He said immediately, be of good cheer. Ego me, the Greek. It's me, it's me, it's me. Be of good courage, it's me. And dear friends, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our problems, in the midst of our heartaches, if the Lord has saved your soul, he comes to you and gives you comfort. It is me. It is me. You don't have to go to a Ouija board and you don't have to go to an astrologist and you don't have to go to these seances that seems to be proliferating themselves among even our Christian people. There is no hope 
in evil. Jesus said, it's me, I'm here. And suddenly, his disciples understand it's Jesus. And then a strange thing happens. It appears to be an epilogue. It seems to be something just tacked on, but not really. Peter, who is in the boat, and it probably was his boat, says to him, it's you. Now, if you look at the King James, it says, if it is you. He calls him Lord Curio. Lord, it's you. Let me come to you walking on the water. Peter is not saying, if it's you. The Greek word if can sometimes and most of the times mean since it's you. And that's what it is here. Peter is not questioning that it's Jesus. He would have never stepped out on those waves if he didn't know who it was. Peter knew who it was. Jesus just bids me to come walking on the water. And Jesus says something like this. Come. And he steps out on the waves. And he was all right as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus. But when he turned and looked at the waves, when he looked at the turbulent sea, when he saw the white caps on which he was walking, he began to sink. Now our Lord brings us today to some vital truth, a message that Jesus wants you to hear from him. And I want to close with this. First of all, Mark says in chapter, uh, well, it's Mark's account. Jesus saw them laboring in the sea. From the top of the mountain, three miles away, Jesus saw them. How in the world could anybody see three miles into a storm? Well, the book of Psalms tells us in 139.12, darkness and light are the same to God. He doesn't have to have sunshine to see you. We may do our evilness in the dark and in our closets. He sees us in the dark as well. Write that down. There's a wonderful verse that came to me in Psalm 94, reading, He sees even every movement in the forest. I thought, does he see everything in the forest? I have three visitors in my yard. One is a, is a rabbit family. And she had two bunnies this year, and she sits somewhere in the hedge and allows one to come out and eat at a time. God sees the bunnies in the field. We have another visitor that comes to our house once a year. <clears throat> Must come up out of Chattahoochee or up Soaps Creek and unto the little creek that runs by my house. 
It's a great big snapping turtle. He is just about that big. He's huge. I know it's the same one because he has a, a, a chip off the left-hand side of his uh, shell. He comes every year about springtime. I don't know where he comes from. I don't know where he goes. That same old turtle comes up there and looks at me. He waits in the in my, in my uh, uh, driveway. He comes up the creek, but he comes up in the driveway to make sure I see him. So I see him, and he says, I'm here again. God took care of me this year. I'm going now. If you're here next year, I'll see you again. I may not be here next year, but I guarantee you that, tar that turtle's going to come up that creek. Our grandchildren have seen him now for 16 years. Every year he comes in early June. There's another little animal that lives in our woods near my house. It's an owl. In fact, I thought it was just one. They, they nested or sat at night in the cedar trees to the house east of us, but the wind blew the cedar trees down and now the owls have flown off into the woods and they tell me they're there. More than one. If God sees the rabbits and God sees the turtle and God sees and takes care of those owls and the animals, oh, you of little faith, oh, Lord Jesus, you who see even the little chipmunks that run in the woods, and the field mouse and give food to them. Psalm 94, go back and read it again. He gives food to them and the birds, when they drink, they lift their heads and say, thank you, God, for this water. They're reminded that God is never late. He's always on time. Jesus came And he teaches us four great lessons. One, Jesus could see them when they could not see him. Think about that a moment now. God sees you and your needs and your heartbreak and your pain and your suffering and your needs. He sees that even when you can't see him. Secondly, this wonderful passage it tells us Jesus was praying on the mountain. What was he praying for? I think he's praying for those disciples. Jesus is praying for you. Romans says that he prays for us. And the book of Hebrews reminds us that he ever lives to make intercession for you. He has your best interest, your best concern, your best hopes, your best prayers. Not always the egotistical, selfish ones, but he has your best interest at heart. He prays for you. The book of Hebrews makes a great statement. We have an advocate in heaven. One little boy asked me, how do you, after the service, I preached on our advocate in heaven, which means a lawyer, one who stands there, one who takes your place, one who pleads your case. Uh, I didn't know that Jesus was an avocado. I said, no, 
did I mispronounce it? Actually, in, in, in Indonesian, it is advocat. And I may have mispronounced it that morning and called Jesus an advocat, which is the, you know, the, the Indonesian word. The word is advocate. It means a lawyer, one who's on your side. One is your team. One is who's your defense lawyer. Praise God, you've got a defense lawyer in heaven. Hear these folks, talk, this man talk about diamonds. You've got a friend in the diamond business. Well, I'm not sure. I'm sure he's in there for a profit, but you have one who is in there for your greatest profit. We have a friend in heaven, an advocate in heaven. There's a third great truth here that Jesus wants us to see, and that is when the disciples could not come to him, they were in the midst of the great, one of the greatest crises of their lives. They couldn't put down the oars. They couldn't back off. They couldn't say, I quit and I leave. They were struggling, and many of you have been struggling. All of us have been struggling. Jesus says, you may not be able to come to me, but I can come to you. And I think there's another great lesson here that our Savior speaks to us. And that is in the instance with Peter. Simon Peter was rather presumptuous, very honestly. He had that trait about him. He stepped out into things that he shouldn't have and often he stepped into a mess. You know the story of Simon Peter's life. I have done that a few times. Perhaps you have as well. Presumptuously stepped out into things that I should not have. Why didn't you, why didn't you trust me, Jesus said. Why is your faith so small? Look and underline this in verse 31. Jesus says, why do you doubt me? Why do you doubt me? Oh, saint, listen, God has brought you through so much, through many trials, and we've come. He will not desert you. When you can't see him, he can see you. When we don't even feel like praying, he prays for us. When I can't <coughs> seem to get through to him, he gets through to us. And when I can't stand up, he reaches out and takes my hand and yours. I, uh, <clears throat> I've always been rather healthy. At 86, I'm beginning to feel like some of you feel. And uh, I have developed uh, an arch that's fallen on my right foot and, and it, the orthopedist said, you don't want the operation at your age. I said, thank you for telling me that. I said, what's the, uh, what's the other alternative? He said, you're gonna have to live with it. Well, I, I do have an orthopedic brace under it, but I'm having to live with the fact that I'm uh, not standing quite as steady as I used to. 
I remember my precious mother before she died at 100 a few years ago. She said, Kenny, I can't remember any of the Bible that I used to know. And God helped me to say to her, Mom, it's all right. We may forget, but he will not forget you. Here is the great blessing of this marvelous truth from God's word. When you can't stand up and our knees are wobbly and in the morning when it's harder to get up than I ever thought in my life and when I bend over I have to think two or three times what is it I'm supposed to do while I'm down here. Lord, I don't like this thing of getting old. But dear friends, Jesus says, I'm with you. I'll be with you in the valley. And I'll carry you through. Charles Haddon Spurgeon had one great sermon. He preached it every year and was asked to preach it dozens and dozens of times in other places. It was a, a message of great encouragement where the Lord says in the Psalms, I will carry you. I will carry you in my arms. And the picture is that wonderful, glorious picture of the Savior who finds the sheep in the darkness of the night and lifts it up upon his shoulder and bears it home. Peter, if you're going to get saved, you're going to have to call out to Jesus. If you are going to stand up, we're going to have to have his hand taking out. Not our hand in his, his hand in us. And then a wonderful thing happens. If you look at the very last verse of chapter 14, and then those who were in the boat came. That is, they came to the, to the shore where they were. They were back on the beach at Capernaum. They were home. They were safe. Jesus was in the boat. And they may have said, well, see you next Sunday, Lord. <coughs> I'll see you the next time you're around. Look what it says. And they fell down, literally, and worshipped him, saying, Amen, you are the Son of God. And this wonderful, wonderful experience in one day in the life of Jesus, which began so sadly and moved to a mountaintop where 5,000 men were fed, and how many was the multitude, we don't know. And then it's dashed into the rocks when they said, let's take him and make him our king. We'll take him by force. That's what John says. John chapter 6, read it. They wanted to take him by force and make him Messiah. Jesus said, no, that's not God's way. There's something that has to be done first. They didn't understand. He would go to the cross that he would die for your sins and mine. And then he would receive the kingdom. Then he would receive the kingdom. Then he would enter into his glory and be magnified. 
I had a funeral the other day for an elderly Chinese woman. And uh, she was a believer. I sat with her and talked to her. Uh, and she gave a good testimony of trusting the Lord. And she said, I want to plan my celebration service, which we did in Indonesian. But she said, I want us to sing that American song. I said, which one is it? And she said, it's take my hand, precious Lord, take my hand. And if we might go out this morning with any message on our hearts, may we go out with a prayer, Lord Jesus, take my hand. I'm weak. I cannot stand, but you can cause me to stand. If you're here this morning without Christ, I just want to urge you to see how beautiful Jesus is here. He sees you when you don't see him. He, he knows the, the needs of your heart better than you do. And although you may say, I just don't feel like coming to God, he comes to you this morning because you're here. And this church is preaching the gospel and they're praying and the Holy Spirit is here working. He wants to bring you to the Savior this morning. And like Peter, all you have to do is cry out, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. And you will find that Jesus' hand is reaching out to you right then. He's never late. He'll never disappoint you. And if you're here today and your life is troubled, may I ask you simply to read this story again from the gospel. It is more than a story. It is a life event in which our Lord taught his disciples then and now. He sees you when you don't see him. He's concerned and praying for you even when you don't know it. He can come to you and will come to you although you cannot go to him. But you can cry out, Lord, I come to you in Jesus' name. I, uh, <clears throat> I was carrying a bucket of water the other day and remembered an incident in Indonesia that taught me a great lesson. <clears throat> I saw a, a woman carrying a bucket of water from the well. Actually, she had it on one of those, uh, we called them a, a Dutch carrier. It was a piece of wood about that long that they put on the neck and had two cords on it and two buckets of water. So she'd go to the well and fill them up and she'd bring it home carrying it like that. And as she did, I noticed that uh, she walked very gingerly and that she wasn't spilling a drop of the water. Uh, I can't carry water like that. Until as she got close, I noticed that there was something on top of the water. And when I looked, there was 
a piece of wood on top of the water on the, in one and on the top of the water in the other. But a strange piece of wood. I looked closer and it was a cross. And uh, I knew the family. They were a Christian family. And I asked, why do you put wood on top of the water? She says, well, you put a stick or something in there and it just settles the water when you carry it. It doesn't slosh around so much. I said, but you didn't use a stick. You used something else. She said, yes, I made me two little crosses because I believe that Jesus is able to settle the sloshing of my soul. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Making Christ Known. We invite you to join us again next time for another sermon from Adairsville Baptist Church. For more information, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.